Failed to bring home a, a Rasta banana doll from your your fair, Andy. What's uh, up with that? How would I put a six foot tall Rasta banana doll? I'd have to buy another plane ticket for it. Is that the only size of those that they make? No, they have smaller ones too, uh, and but there oh, weren't any of those around the park. But why would you want a smaller one than that? There's got to be a difference, a, a, a happy medium between I don't want to buy a plane ticket for my stuffed animal and it's too small for me to care about. Well, there's also the, you know, the, the crazy MacGyver thing of like gutting it and taking all the this, this stuffing out, stuffing the, the rusted banana skin in your suitcase and then restuffing it when you get home. This is creepy. Yeah, it, it, it does have a. It does have a Silence of the Lambs vibe to it. <laughs> no! No, Todd, I don't want that image in my brain! Uh, Ross of Banana gets the lotion. <laughs> Andy tucking it all back behind his thighs. Oh, no! That's right! I'm not the only one! Fuck you! Unpleasant. <laughs> Saying, I'd fuck me if I was a banana. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 592. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact checked Andy. Buffalo Matt. Larg. <laughs> and Deb. And we're here to talk Week and Geek with a full accompaniment. This is, this is a, a large a grouping this time. Uh, we missed Matt the last few weeks. Good to have you back. And Deb and Mr. Deb, always good to have you. Suck Thank it. <laughs> you're buffalo matt now matt that's right protest you protesting something or something no i don't know what you're talking about like your city has failed you for the last time eh is this hockey related <laughs> yes it is. Okay. Uh, unfortunately i really misunderstood that i really thought it was a buffalo bill reference after all that rasta banana wow. style lamb stuff it, it, it was, was andy it, oh, it's good. not it's always <laughs> not always about you, Andy. In this case, it was. <laughs> there you go. Not always not about me either, Kirsten. So everybody, so what geeky thing did you do this week? Uh, we'll Absolutely nothing. You... Okay, that gets mad out of the way. That was easy. <laughs> Deb, what'd you do? Well, a um, couple of things actually this week. Well, one of them was the week before. Um, I DM'd my first game of D&D. Like oh, ever. my goodness. Congratulations. Yeah, How'd it thank go? Thank you. It was a one shot. I did it on, we did that. Barry kind of helped me plan it. Did it on purpose just so I could like, you know, test it out, see how it went, see if I liked it. I think it went good. And it definitely is hard being on the other side of the table. You like, you know, hard breaking your, your brain from like the character mindset because like they were fighting things and I'm trying to kill them all. And I'm like, well... <laughs> This, we just started. I probably shouldn't try to kill them all right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that feeling never goes away. You take that and you run with it, and you murder those sons of bitches because they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Take advantage of the one shot. A one shot. That's a great time for murder, slaughter. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think I think it went well. Um, it's it's definitely a process to learn, like the handling of multiple, like multiple monsters and characters and whose turn is it now and 
who's got this weird ability that I don't know anything about because I just read the character sheet five minutes ago. Like, you know, <laughs> so it was interesting in that, but I think I will try it again. It was fun. And we didn't quite finish. Barry said I spent a little too much time on like the, the pre dungeon part of the, you know, the experience. But I think again, we were playing with a group of people we have before. So my brain was stuck on like story. Let's do that, story. Uh, that was my question. He, Who were your victim? I'm, I'm players. Yeah, no, um, it was just for a group of friends that we have here that we play with regularly anyway. Just testing it out. You did really you did really well. Uh the one thing you gotta work on, uh, accents. I I am not good at accents. I have told so the only one I can do really well is like the southern accent, like you know the so I, I had a cookie character who's my cook on the ship because they had to take a ship for three days to get there. So Cookie, he loved animals and he took care of everyone on the ship and he he hid meat for the dog. That was you know that, that's like the only accent I can do. <laughs> so just go completely outrageous with all the rest of the accents, and most of the fun is going to be just watching you try to do accents. Mm-hmm. Right, at least for like me. Jeff. Yeah, hire Jeff to do all your accents. There you go. Accents I can do pretty well. It's uh, everything else. Oh, please, that I sir. Do bad it's Michael Caine, and then on. a variation of Michael Caine, <laughs> and then Michael Caine, and then Michael Caine. Right. Um, cookie, I'll hide all the meat for the dogs, <laughs> and I'll cook your meals. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, we got to get it through, though. So, yeah, I didn't get all the way through, and we played for, like, five hours. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a good one shot. Yeah. So, so, so he, Barry said it took you a while to get to the dungeon. About how long was the setup to get to the dungeon? 45 minutes. That's not long at all. No. It wasn't longer than that. A little longer. It wasn't longer than that. <laughs> a little longer. <laughs> also, we kept getting interrupted because we were playing on, like, you know, folding tables. Oh, yeah. That was fun. And they kept falling. They kept falling over, literally, like, spilling drinks all over the floor and all over the game. <laughs> and, like... Okay, we had that happen twice during play, so it made the game take longer, because then we had to clean everything up, and one time there was a beer all over everything, so then you're cleaning up all of the alcohol, yeah. So, so was this people bumping the table, or just the table collapsing? We table collapsing, tables. yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that increases the difficulty level. Yeah. What were you using, like, wrestling tables? Like, what? Kind of. <laughs> they were new. Um, okay. friend, she, she never used them before. So like, yeah, it was the first time they had been used. And so we didn't know this was a thing, but apparently you can't lean on them. So, you know, no, trying to not. like see on the board and like figure out where to move, you know, how most people would just put their hands on the table. You can't do that. <laughs> Can you imagine wow. if Andy was there? Jesus <laughs> we would have been playing on the floor, on the floor <laughs> with no chairs and no table, just on the floor. Indian style. Yes. So. You would have figured that out with me pretty quickly and just moved me to the floor. Sippy <laughs> cup. <laughs> well, it could be worse. At least it was Dungeons and Dragons and not a board game. That would have that would have really sucked. Oh yeah, oh, so yeah, would have. So much also, for the risk Kirsten, game. So Kirsten Barry, what what uh, category would that be uh, that you have to roll for for the the table collapsing on you during the game? Acrobatics. <laughs> Do a deck save. Yeah. yeah, general deck. Sounds about, sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of board games, Deb and I also did something else pretty geeky. Yes, I bought Gloomhaven. You bought the Haven. Oh. Gloomhaven. 
I oh me oh my. Uh, how many how did how many scenarios have you gotten through thus far? One. One. <laughs> Two tries. It just makes me sad. <laughs> played with, with two of our friends and we got through it and it was a load of fun as soon as we figured out that these monsters aren't shouldn't be as tough as i'm making them out to be on running the rules wrong okay we'll, we'll, we'll well, and then and the uh, mechanics. we got through it yeah the mechanics, the mechanics are, are different yeah but 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 it's a lot of fun and so then deb and i decided well we're gonna play this again just the two of us just to see because it's a two-player version it should scale down it should be we should be able to get through it <laughs> no <laughs> Yeah, so we, we played the two other characters that, you know, the game of four we didn't use. So the second game we played, just Barry and I, was the Mind Thief and the Scoundrel. Sorry, nope, was nope. the Scoundrel and the Rock Guy. Cragheart. The Cragheart. And it would have been fine, except that I kept trying to beat the tank. And then I had to discard cards so that I didn't die. So then I ended <laughs> up with no cards. And then Barry died. So, yeah. What a waste. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Todd, I, I, I never got the text you on this. I did a little research uh -oh. uh, of the starting characters. You and I are the tankiest of the starting characters, the Cragheart and the, uh, the, the, brute? Uh, the Brute. So it's like, and because and, and, I'm getting close to where I could retire my character, so I've been trying to figure out what I want to do. And I'm really concerned about taking. I'd, I'd like to do something like a sorcerer, something really magicy, magicy. But I'm really afraid of our squishy factor if I do that. And and then I read that we are the two toughest of that selection, and I'm like, oh great! So you guys haven't unlocked. You're retiring now, huh? Huh? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very stylish. It's your birthday present, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might just take your character and run with it, uh -huh. Andy. Yeah, no, wouldn't surprise me. Do you guys haven't uh, unlocked any new ones yet? Uh, nope. No, that, that'll be when I when I uh, retire my guy. So hopefully, uh, that person then is a tanky type character. Uh, it could be if if that one's if the the one we unlock is remotely tanky, I'll probably go ahead and pick it up because because Todd does a good job of surviving, but it's. For the Cragheart, it's crucial to stay the fuck out of the way. It really is. That's the problem we've got, is that um, we thought the Cragheart was a tank, and so I was fine playing the Scoundrel. And then we started playing, and I was like, yeah, no. No, that's not how this is going to go, I guess. And then I couldn't get away, and so everybody just attacked me. And Barry tried to heal me multiple times, and then I had to discard cards. Yeah, it just... Yeah. It's like you just don't have enough cards. You need like two extra cards per player, and it would be probably mm -hmm. vastly improved. Uh, and I assume you're playing at the monsters level one. Yes. Yes. Okay. And we died. <laughs> you know, you can turn down the difficulty just a little bit by going to monster level zero if you're willing to admit that to yourself. There's I don't know if I'm willing to zero. admit that. <laughs> yeah, this is barrier. This is barrier. Why the, Sorry, Barry. Why the fuck didn't you tell me there was a like? Why didn't we go to a lower level? <laughs> oh, okay. You want to play on easy mode? <laughs> <laughs> you play Doom on Don't Hurt Me, Daddy mode. That's right. 
That's right, Deb. You're playing. You're playing games with hardcore Barry. <laughs> do, do you? When you go bowling, do they put the bumpers and the gutters for you too? <laughs> that actually would be fun. <laughs> what do you guys play on, uh, Kirsten and Todd? Zero or one? Todd has the same problem as Barry. He's just not as vocal about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. We are we are currently playing, I believe, on level three. Yeah. Or, or is it four? I think it's three. At three. Three. Yeah. What level are you guys? Oh fuck! What am I? I'm five, right? I'm fifth level now. Uh, right, because I'm level four. Which I take it back. We are playing at level four. So Holy yes, shit. we're we're playing you're at a hardcore playing level. Level? No, you're playing at the level. You should be playing at the level that's appropriate for your characters. Are you, you actually are right. playing higher or no? No, we play exactly as the uh, it gives you the game gives you a formula as to what level you should be playing for normal level. And yeah. yes, we are we are playing at normal level. Uh, Barry, real players play at a level higher than they than their level. That's well, how real hardcore. Probably do. also they probably also chose better characters than the Cragheart and the Scoundrel. So <laughs> we just chose the only two that were left unopened. So. I don't know. Maybe we could switch it up because now we just bought some vinyl stickers, and so begins the journey of buying a bunch of shit to support Gloomhaven. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Winberry has no job. Yes, that was another thing, by the way. Another geeky thing. Uh, I lost my gig, so the joke that was happened like a few shows ago. Now it's real. <laughs> I blame you. Everybody posed for sad. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a moment of silence. There you go. <laughs> I was already sad over the Gloomhaven, so it didn't really affect me. <laughs> I uh, say every game night, you should just play Gloomhaven until Andy gets back. Well, we kind of yeah. are. <laughs> well, uh, Todd and I are, yeah. How often do you guys play? Uh, if we're lucky, once a week. But and, they let me know every time they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I take I a picture text. and send it to Andy. That's the fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when Todd says, hey, are you busy tonight? I'm like, oh, boy, another text to Andy. So uh, I, I will give one tip to Withering. all Gloomhaven players out there, whether you've played for a while or whether you've just started. There are notepads that come with the game. There's a character notepad and there's a party notepad. I recommend taking notes of scenarios and what led you there in the first place. Because as you're playing Gloomhaven and opening up scenarios, I think Kirsten and I currently have about 15 scenarios open to us. Wow. And when we look at that list, some of that because of the amount of time in between games, but even when we were <laughs> playing regularly, it was easy to forget what led to that particular scenario. So in the notes, I recommend writing the scenario name and just a small sentence as to what opened up that scenario, whether it was given to you by a witch in Gloomhaven or whether it was a portal that was found in a dungeon. So at least you know the context going into it because there's a lot of times where you'll go away from the main game and explore some side quests, and then you come back to the main game going, okay, why were why is this crypt open again? So help yourself. Make a small note. Uh, there's a great free Gloomhaven app out there called Gloomster, uh, which you can put those notes in digitally, and so you don't have to even worry about the paper parts. Uh, so I do recommend that. So that's just uh, for the Gloomhaven players out there to make your lives easier. 
And also, guys, as a as a learning uh, learning as a yeah. learning tool, Todd actually does a thing where after we've played a scenario, he'll watch on YouTube uh, a video of somebody playing that scenario. He doesn't go ahead, but he'll watch something that we've done. And that can actually be good for picking up on rules things, uh, stuff you, you may not have considered, or you're like, oh, wow. Because I can't remember how many games uh, Todd and I played before we found out we were doing a couple things wrong. So, And that actually went over time. That wasn't even like all at once. The last so. we played one game and we were playing wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty In much. other words, Andy, you've never played Gloomhaven. No. Yeah. No, no, not really. Just withering out here in Green Acres land. There you go. <laughs> Three yeah, but, minimum uh, bars. Dude, you've got a dogwood. I've got a what? It, it, dogwood? Dog patch, you mean? I don't know. Didn't you put up a dogwood tree or something? Oh, I did put up a dogwood tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. It would both be awesome and awful at the same time if you could play Gloomhaven like you can... Uh, like over the mail through like chess, where chess you play <laughs> with somebody by saying, "Okay, move my queen to uh, Q four or whatever it is," and that way you can play a, gla- a game of chess. It takes forever, but you can chess through the mail. Uh, it'd be nice if we could do that, you know, for Andy for Gloomhaven, but no, it no, would take a no, year to get through that. a dungeon room. Well, well, that and that. and his move would only be every third email. The, the the other two emails would be, how does my character work? What are the rules to the game? <laughs> and you would take away one of Kirsten's few joys in life, which is grinding it into my uh, soul that I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And the game I, would stop halfway through because Andy spilled a, a soda all over his computer. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what'd you do this week? Oh, hold on a second, sir. Oh, oh shit. On, sir. Oh, shit. Hold on, I have to address something. Uh, first, oh, okay. I want to say thank you very, very much to the listeners for giving me the term dyspeptic hate monger. I love that. I want that on a t-shirt. It's wonderful. Also, fuck you for giving them Mr. Debbie. Um, but... <laughs> uh, I, I you want to address are Mr. Debbie. I want to also address that I've added a couple of a few events to uh, BlargCon. Uh, feel free to visit the site at vanillasluts.lovechocoladedick.com/blargcon. One of them being the full honorific to honor the fact that I have a brand new title added to my ever-growing list of titles. Oh Christ on a crutch! What did you do to your name now? Barry William Jonathan John Wayne Duke Rob Lord of Sealand and now Laird of Glencoe first to bear the name aka Dr. Blard. That, that is that, that that is your full true honorific. Yes, it is. AKA How do you put up with Mr. Deb. <laughs> um, yeah, that uh, For the home audience, I'm giving you the royal wave. <laughs> <laughs> You see, you can buy more ego. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> we. Uh, and what, uh, okay, you were a lord before. What's this new title? He's a laird. That means he, he's one of the uh, creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I like that 
Lord of Glencoe, Scotland. Okay, so you're Lord and Lord. So really, you're just uh, it's still just Lord. You're just yes, Lord but, of two provinces instead of one. Well, the one isn't in Scotland. The one is in. Congratulations, Scotland. you're Lord of a failed state. Lord is now Laird in Scotland, so differentiate. It's Laird. The British are coming. Run and hide like the rest of you Scots. Uh, Shouldn't that be the English are coming then? Yeah, the English. Jesus, Mister Marshall. I think it's King Henry flag goes up, and you guys all hide. Whatever. I think it's more like the flag of King George. Sorry, not Henry. The white and the red cross. Like, That's when you know there's shit's about to hit the fan. When the St. George flag goes up, it's like, oh shit. <laughs> I, I love it when Matt has talked when... in weeks. Shut up, Jeff. <laughs> Shut up. I, I love it when the, uh, the, uh, co- the provinces uh, get their backup about battles that happened thousands of years ago. There was one revolution. We fought it. Meanwhile, you were up there in Canada doing I don't know what. Helping the Tories, I think, wasn't it? Listen, listen. My background is Irish, okay? So okay. we were over there getting drunk and stuff. Todd, don't you have a uh, lordship? I do. Where? I absolutely do. It's, uh, it's in England. See? You did it right. Ah. ah. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a lord over like a quarter foot patch of land somewhere. Yeah. Isn't that how they do that? Pretty yep, much. That's how I got it. But Scottish land, so, you know, it's cool. <laughs> so, English land. <laughs> well, for now. Jeez. I didn't have to buy anything. Sapansky is, uh, is uh, part of uh, Polish nobility. But then again, <laughs> Polish nobility, 10% of the population was noble. So, it's, it's right. not like the rest of Europe, which is 1% or 2%. One of my teachers mentioned that about my, my old college roommate, Kopaz, or Kopich. And he said, you know, isn't it like, like, like one in ten of you guys are Lord or something? And so we started calling my roommate the Grand Dupa of Poland. Hey, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Good story. Damn it, please let me do it. <laughs> it doesn't count if Barry doesn't do it. If Barry does it, it counts. Steal my shit. <laughs> All right, Jeff, what'd you do this week? Uh, I didn't get to do a lot this week because they had a busy week uh, at work, but I did manage to uh, sit down and watch the uh, Friends reunion on HBO Max. Because uh, I dig my behind-the-scenes uh, reunion shows, and I did used to watch Friends a lot when I was much younger. I uh, haven't really watched it since it's been off the air, so... I'm not that big into the show, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I still feel like with a lot of these shows, there's so much footage that's probably good footage that's getting cut out so that they can put more of these celeb cameos in because the real meat of it was like the the interaction between the actors all being in, in the same room for only the second time in 17 years. I mean, they've they've all like met up either individually or there's two or three of them together. Uh, but this was a f- only the second time since the show ended that they were all available in the same room together and just interacting like the family that they are. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's almost two hours long, and it feels like there's another half hour's worth of stuff in there. Like a half hour they could have taken out that was kind of pointless to it, 
and filled it in with the uh, the stuff that they cut out. So, but anyway, yeah, that's uh, that was the one fun thing that I got to do this week was watch that. Andy, what'd you do? I uh, well, I, I rewatched the first five episodes of uh, the '90s Batman. Uh-huh. And you're, you're right. That is not a that's not a good example of how good the show is. Okay, so, um, so I, I did I it watched, wrong by trying to go in the well. Then I by went following watched, it chronologically. Yeah. Then I went and watched Almost Got Him, the one I suggested, and yeah, it gets so good when it wants to. So I would okay take a look at those lists that people gave you and just hop around and see the best of the best. I will do that. I will definitely yeah. do that. And then the awesome thing I got to do is I got to go see uh, Rainbow Dash attempt a uh, Sonic Rain Boom on ice. And now I'll translate. I got to see Please. Jeff Harris's daughter uh, at an ice skating competition. Uh, and she was ice skating to the song It's Time to Be Awesome, which is a My Little Pony song, dressed as Rainbow Dash and My Little Pony. I love this story yeah. so much. Yeah. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. And she came in second. Wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah, it was cool. And, and uh, as a weird aside, like, you know, these are little kids. I mean, she's four or five, and then a lot of people competing were, you know, pretty young. And after they did their routine, the first few, there was like one side, they started throwing out like four or five stuffed animals and stuffed flower things. Like, oh, that's cute. And then it got to like one little girl who did a really good routine, and there was like no stuffed animals. I'm like, what? Where's her stuffed animals? And then it became like this thing of like whether they're going to get stuffed animals or not. And it turns out we, we, you know, Jeff and I were both like champing to find out. And we asked uh, Jessica, Penguin Jess, uh, we asked her uh, what the deal was. And apparently it was a fundraiser. You could buy a bag of stuffed animals to throw out for 15 bucks or something. Okay. So, so, the, so the ones that weren't getting his parents just didn't love them enough to buy them stuffed animals. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> But congratulations, little Harris. Yeah, she was great. Uh, I had to, uh, two somewhat interesting things happen this week. Uh, first off, I thought I'd go on a little uh, adventure of, of seeing a movie I've never seen before. I know there's a lot, I've lots of those. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of things yeah. to catch up on. I yeah. gotcha. So, so I decided I was going to go deep into the annals of Amazon Prime and find an 80s comedy that... What the criteria was one that I've never seen before. It couldn't be one I've seen before, uh, but two, one that I knew, one that I saw like in the video store and I just ignored because uh, I was in the mood for a comedy. I didn't feel like going science fiction and whatnot. So, uh, so I went deep and I was like, okay, I'm going to find myself an 80s comedy I've never seen. And I was immediately punished for doing so. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because the movie that I chose to watch was the Anthony Michael Hall starring Johnny B. Good. Oh, good oh, God. God. Oh, no, no, dude. I didn't know anything about it. I saw the the, really? the videotape when I was young and just passed it by because, eh, sports comedy. But I always loved Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall was basically like a hero of mine growing up. Uh, of course, Jake kind of set me straight on how he's like in real life and kind of took the air out of those sales. But... Wait, uh, apparently, uh, Anthony Michael Hall is not the nicest person in real life. So, with uh, with some of the interactions that uh, Jake has personally had with him, uh, but 
continuing on, uh, no, do not watch this movie. Uh, ig- ignore that it exists uh, like the world has. Uh, the basic premise is that Anthony Michael Hall is completely miscast as the star of his football team. And it also stars Robert Downey Jr. as his best friend uh, and a very manic best friend. Like, I, I think it, this was during the time that he was might, might have been wrestling with his cocaine addiction because everything out of his mouth was absolute insanity. So much so that I have the captions on and what he is saying is not matching the captions. I don't know why. That is so weird when that happens. It's not like it's dropping sentences. The captions are saying completely different things than his character is saying. Wow. But the whole story is that Anthony Michael Hall is getting all of these offers from all of these colleges to play football there uh, Basically, they're offering money, cash, women, uh, fame, drugs. And he is an awful, awful person. Mm. There, There is okay. only one redeeming character in this, and that is Uma Thurman in her first film role, by the way. Introducing Uma Thurman in this movie. She is electric every time she's on the screen. You can see why she be, she was seen as a movie star like from then on, cast on from various things. Because she doesn't have a lot to do in this movie, and she shines in it. Uh, but Anthony Michael Hall's character is such an insufferable little prick. Everybody around him is just as insufferable. And apparently they all learn a lesson at the end, but I d- damned if I know what it was, because it, right. it wasn't earned. I will say that Paul Gleason is in this. He played the uh, uh, Mr. Vernon in Breakfast Club, uh, the bad guy in that, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, so it was kind of fun to see him. Again, in Anthony Michael Hall territory, but uh, no, the script is insipid. There is nothing funny in there. there there's no jokes. Wow. I, I don't understand how this movie got made, and I Did certainly you understand this, why it didn't get watched. All right, so now we got to go to the monkeys again, who, who suggest 80s comedies that aren't as well known that are actually good. <laughs> and, and that I have access to because a lot of this was just what's available to me because the 80s comedies are pretty much nil in HBO Max of course mm-hmm. they don't exist in Disney at all, all right. I, I don't have Hulu so it's yeah. going to be Amazon Prime and Netflix that might have I these in there, one there. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen Better Off Dead oh of course I, yeah. I can live and breathe it I can quote it through yeah. and through <laughs> What about the other one that uh, Cusack did, uh, Hot Pursuit? It's, if if was... so, that might be one, if it's on yeah. there. You can't go wrong with a good 80s Cusack film. Mm-hmm. And just to switch gears, I've still been playing Earth Defense 5, and I'm going to tell you right now, uh, it is the first time in my life that a video game ever flipped me the bird. Wow. Oh, wow. Of, I have been enjoying Earth Defense 5, uh, but I'm renting it, and so I'm like, and I'm going to do one or two. I'm, I'm just going to play through the story, play through the campaign. And when that's all done, then I'll send it back and get the next next disc. And so I was like, OK, because because it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, the game ramps up. There's lots of scenarios each, and introduces new monsters and different combinations. The g- basic gameplay is still the same, but it, it throws enough new things at you to keep it interesting and keeps the story, even though it's very thin, uh, keeps that going. So I'm like, I'm just going to play it all the way through. Uh, 
And so I'm, I'm up to like the 40th scenario. So I'm, I'm pretty deep in 40 scenarios in, and these scenarios can be varying in feel. I, I think there's scenarios that I've beaten five minutes and there's scenarios that took me two hours to beat. And you never know until you start it how long it's going to be, what kind of thing you're going to fight. Uh, a big boss or just a bunch of little guys or, or whatever combination. A horse-sized chicken or a hundred chicken-sized horses or whatever it is there. And, and that's not been the problem. That, that's, this has not been the problem. It's, it's, it was when I got my first achievement in the game. I've never been flipped off by an achievement in my life. I hit scenario 50. And the game gave me an achievement that said 5% complete. Oh my Ow! God. <laughs> <laughs> I have probably sunk 10 to 15 hours, maybe more, into this game. And so I'm thinking, ah, this game probably has about 100 scenarios. And, uh, and then I can maybe be done with it. Uh, but no, apparently there's 1,000. Wow. That's a lot. And the game doesn't tell you until you hit that achievement that says, oh, you think you're far, huh? You finish 5% of this game. Have fun with the rest. That's, what an ass. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a clip of the bird all, but also, if you're liking the game, it means you have so much more to play. It's so great. That's, that's a good point. So it's, if you like the game style, it is obviously a, worth the money as far as how much game you're going to get. So I'd, I'd recommend uh, Earth Defense 5. If, uh, rent it first. See if uh, you gel with its play style. And if you do, it grab it because that's a lot of scenarios kirsten what'd you do this week well i played some gloomhaven did you win (laughs) yeah was it a breeze it it actually kind of was i'm i'm waiting for you to watch the video and come back and say (laughs) yeah we fucked that one up that was super easy barely an inconvenience yeah you went in there like scared that we were going to get killed and uh, we just we walked all over them, but we're we're actually strategizing and synergizing well now with our stuff, because like like uh, like Deb said, uh, you know, a typical Todd move is I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this, cause some damage, and heal you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an awful lot of and heal you. So yes, but uh, so there was that. And uh, I also watched Boss Level. Boss Level. Boss I wonder, Level. I wonder where, I, where that came from. Yeah, really. Um, you know, it's funny because it, it's a fun movie. I think it's actually, it's a, it's, it's a very kinetic, hyper-kinetic, kind of crazy, fast, crazy, energetic movie. Uh, and it's built into its very story, which is cool. The, the, the whole thing actually runs well. But... The thing I liked a lot about it was Frank Grillo really got to do some acting, yeah. which was actually very, very nice. He, uh, the scenes he has with this kid about three-fifths of the way through the movie, he shows some chops that I'm telling you right now, I don't think you've seen before. You you didn't see them in the Avengers movies. You didn't see them in jujitsu. Uh-huh. That's uh, and you know what? I'll I'll say I'll say that it's worth watching just for Frank Grillo. So it's a good fun movie. It it's it's it leans into its absurdity, but at the same time, totally justifies it. And uh, it's actually well uh, well structured, well composed. Uh, yeah, you know, 
I'm just amazed that you actually watched it because usually when I recommend something, you're like, okay, and then never get yeah. to it. He watched it despite your recommendation, Jeff. Well, uh, that, that it, yeah, there it is. I I kind of forgot Jeff recommended it, so <laughs> yeah. I was I was on somewhere else online and somebody was talking about Grillo in this movie, and I was like, oh well, shit, I'll give it a shot. So <laughs> you know, yeah, we watched it a couple months ago and we enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it's funny because a lot of the reviews stick to the action to it, but uh, the one that turned my head was somebody actually mentioned Grillo actually shows a little bit of acting in here. He gets a chance to show something, and that was like, okay, I want to see that. That was what got my attention, and uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was worth it. Hulu, if you got it. Todd, haha. But, <laughs> um, yeah. So, boss level, definite, definite, definite uh, recommendation there. Sweet. I think I mentioned like either at the end of the show or off the air about Love, Death, and Robots. And I was curious if anyone else has had a chance to watch that yet. The have not hit season. it yet. Have not hit the second season yet, but boy, do I want to. Started it. Haven't had time. I, it's, it's a nice little fun thing to watch when I have, like, said between 7 and 15 minutes to do something. So we're right. kind of we're kind of holding off on finishing it. But the first ones are pretty good. Yeah. I think we're, like, halfway through. I think so. Yeah. It's different. It's definitely, like... Well, the ones they different. chose for this season are definitely like a different feel than the ones they chose for the first season, I think. A couple of them you're like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, just, I think okay. it was the third one. We watched the first when we watched it uh, down in Florida. I think we watched three of them in a row and then went to bed. And the last one was the one about the guy whose job is to kill children. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's a good thing to go to bed on. <laughs> All right, let's do a little mail, my friends. First one is from David LePage, says, Hello, Geek Shock Squad. Hope you're doing good. I really enjoyed the, quote, live show last week. This was two weeks ago at this point. Uh, Good to hear you in the same room again. My wife does not like comic book shows. She'll sit there while I watch WandaVision or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but she always says it's because she loves me and she can make compromises. Whatever. So the other day I come home and she's sitting there watching Lucifer. I ask her how long she's been watching that. Quote, I'm on season five's new episode, she says. Well, you can imagine the grin on my face and the delight in my heart (laughs) when I got to tell her that it's based on a DC comic book. She just shrugged it off with a mumbled, it's good. I consider this a win for Dave. And now whenever I watch a comic book show or movie, I call out her name and whisper, it's good. Pure joy. Stay safe, fellas. Keep up the stellar podcast. Thank you, it, David, for sharing that. Uh, it's kind of a win, except that that Lucifer awesome. is so so thinly connected to the DC Lucifer. It's painful. Right. Well, it's also yeah. a, a matter of the classic uh, uh, Neil Gaiman will talk about uh, people confusing medium with genre. And so they hear comic book and they just go right to superhero. Mm-hmm. When there's, of course, I mean, well, there's everything in comics. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. It's kind of like the same thing with people who say, I hate Stephen King, but I really like Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I ended up bringing that up at work the other day. Somebody was talking about Shawshank, and I was like, yeah, you know, who'd have thought? 
you know, Stephen King writes things other than horror. And they're like, wait, Stephen King wrote Shawshank? And I said, well, the original book that the movie's based on, yes. And they were completely dumbfounded. It's Stand uh, By Me. Green yeah, Mile. Love Stand By Me. Next is from Kisa. Hello, all you geeky non-sports peeps. Also, Warhammer is great, but still crack, and I blame Matt and Todd for restarting my addiction. I know this comes a few years after episode 455. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) But I live in the city that named the baseball team the Rocket City Trash Plant, the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Well, I have to say, when you covered it, you forgot to mention what town, and I think the impact of the name was lost on you all. See, Rocket City is a.k.a. Huntsville, Alabama. You know, the place that liberates German scientists ended up after World War II. The town that made and built a little thing called the Saturn V. I mean, this town got us to the moon once and is working on it again. Also home to the short-lived but fun show Rocket City Rednecks. It just, the name fits the city well well as from trash to the moon through clever engineers is pretty much this city. Uh, After this long post, we'll give you a question to have you all discuss and fight over. So, as geeks, we all have our hobbies. And I mentioned Warcrack, Hammer. I was wondering, what was your most expensive, addicting hobby, not including video games? Anyways, thank you for the show that helped keep me sane with ICS. Happy Pride Month also from a LGBTQ plus girl, Kisa. I can answer that real quick. Uh, mine was Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I used to buy boxes and boxes of that, and I wish I still had them because I'm sure I'm sitting on a fortune. <laughs> but because uh, I had like the Black Lotus, I had all of those, the mo- like the, the all the really ridiculous artifacts. Dude, you had a Lotus? Yeah, I did. T- I had one too. When did you sell it? Uh, I didn't sell it. I have no idea where it is. Wait, what, dude? Seriously? Yes. It's worth a lot of money now, Matt. I, I realize that. You know, a down payment on a house money. I, uh, it's I probably <laughs> destroyed somewhere. Did, did you put them in the spokes of your bike so they would go flip, 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 flip when you <laughs> rode down the road? What the hell's wrong with you? I played the game once with a buddy of mine. We both bought a deck. I had a Black Lotus, and I said, we played the game. Like, it's interesting, but it's not me. I don't want to get into this. So I gave him my deck with the Black Lotus in it. I hate you. But this is way, way in the beginning. When yeah, it wasn't worth anything. Knew. Yeah, it wasn't. Right. So, so there is a possibility, Matt, that you still have a Lotus in some forgotten box somewhere. No, no. So it's, it's official. It's definitely gone. Yeah. Okay. I remember not seeing it when I packed in Canada, so I have no idea where it's at. Does that mean though, that it can't be hiding at maybe your parents' house? Like Parents have moved twice since then. So. Uh... I mean, my parents don't go over through everything when they move. <laughs> There's always a chance it's stuck somewhere in a box. You anger me. That, that was my hobby. Just Well, <laughs> maybe Fuckface walked off with it, Matt. Well, nobody knows what that means, Kirsten. <laughs> um, years ago, we had a gaming Thanksgiving here at my house. And uh, Paulette, loving to cook holiday dinners, made a shitload of food. And she brought it in a couple of boxes. When they left, they packed up, consolidated, and there was uh, there was just they left with just like one box. So <laughs> the boxes end out in the back, and months later, I like 
I'm like, I, I've got these fucking boxes just sitting here. I might as well break them down and throw them away. And I pick up, and these were all boxes that were marked for moving. So I pick up one of the boxes, slash it up, throw it in the recycle. I pick up the next one, and I look at the bottom, and it said, Fragile. Fuck face. <laughs> You know, you know what? The UPS guy that smuggled over the border probably walked off with the Black Lotus because <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I'm a fuckface, am I? All right, let's see what we got in here. Oh, look, a Black Lotus. Oh God, I still, I love that. I just saw that and I was just like, "What in the hell?" All right, and- I take it back. It was worth telling that story again. All right, <laughs> I forgot all about that. Oh I God! I, lo- I actually held on to the box for another couple of months so I could talk to Matt about it. <laughs> Fuck face, <laughs> written right there on the box. I don't know. Shit. So my expensive hobby that I haven't done in a long time that I wish I had the time for, but um, is sewing. So I picked up oh. sewing so that I could actually make costumes, like so I could make my own costumes, right? So for Ren Fair. And for going to con and stuff. And I've made a couple. And I've made like, you know, easy things to go with other pieces that I already had. But then I started planning like these super extravagant like costumes. And I started buying things for them. And then I still have yet to make those costumes. So I have like probably a few thousands dollars worth of sewing material in our craft room. That I haven't done anything with in years. And then I also had the stuff Kirsten gave me. From, like, when we still lived in Vegas. Now, I've used some of that. Surprisingly, I've used it for, like, random projects and patching things. But all of the really nice fabrics and, like, the really nice details. Yeah, I haven't used any of it. (laughs) I did at least one of them. I started, like, actually pulling out the pattern and trying to, like, attach it to the fabric and make sure that I could, like, lay it correctly so I could start cutting it the right way. And then, yeah. They're still in a nice, pretty box that I could like just take everything out and start working on it again, but I haven't touched it in probably eight years. Does it say fabric fuck face on the box? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Deb, you know what's really fun about that story? Just a few days ago, I mentioned that I still had a big pile of that friggin' fabric of my mom's. Because, it, guys, it's a lot. It was like, it's like a corner of my garage. It is. And, and, and it was stupid a lot. Uh, Francine, uh, a friend of mine from the the Star Trek crowd, she's like, hey, I'll take it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I loaded up the car, brought it uh, over, and I unloaded it in front of their door. And Jerry opened the door, and he looks at this. There were like nine boxes and a couple of bolts of stuff. And he was just like, what are we supposed to do with all of this? And it, and Francine was like, "Oh my, that's a lot." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's the first car load." Oh, I, I still have boxes in the garage. And Jerry's like, "Yeah, well, we won't be getting any more. This is the last car load." <laughs> it was funny. And I looked over his shoulder at Francine, and I'm like, "Yeah, later. I'll bring it later." So I still gotta, I still gotta smuggle it in. But I'm only getting rid of all of that fabric now. Deb, wow. after all these years, it's just she had a huge and amount of, of stuff. Some of that's forty or fifty years old, I would think at this point. Yeah. Oh, what well, you want to 
Hey, I, how about my, the McCall's uh, dress patterns? Oh, wow. I've got I've got dress patterns my mom bought from the '60s. You want you want some cool bell-bottom pants patterns? I've got a couple. <laughs> hey, some of the '70s styles are really in right now. Yeah, my mom used to collect those McCall's patterns too, Kirsten. Yeah, yeah. I was actually really disappointed when uh, McCall's apparently announced they digitized and they're releasing all their patterns online. Because I was like, oh, I should have sold those a long time ago. Trust <laughs> me, you could still sell them. There is a crowd out there that buys those. Yeah. Yeah. I got a man. I got a guy who sells stuff. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you got uh, a pattern guy? Speaking of expensive uh, selling stuff, um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I got too many, really. Mm-hmm. Comic books, which I don't do so much of anymore. So, But, uh, I mean, I, I do have, like, 36 long boxes. So, I, I, you know, over the years, it's been quite a bit gaming stuff rpg stuff i've got you know i i'll joke with todd like my hobby is to collect rpgs even if i'm not gonna play them because i'll collect the rule books and stuff uh for a while there when they when they went into a resurgence like in the late 80s early 90s i was uh blowing more money than i should have on 12 inch gi joe stuff because they brought that back we had the I, I I bought the copter as well as tons of figures and tons of accessories and stuff, and they're just not as popular now as they were then. So I don't have to worry about losing that money. But yeah. So the, do you mean like twelve inch dolls? Like like yeah. they're twelve inches? Action figures. Action figures. Action figures. <laughs> Action, figures. Yes. Action figures. You set them up in dioramas. Hey, you know what? I grew up playing with Transformers, okay? The only, like, super girly toy I had growing up was My Little Pony. Like, I, the only Barbie I owned was given to me by a friend at a birthday party. And it was not even a Barbie. It was, like, one of Barbie's friends' dolls. Hear that, Andy? Little girl stuff. My Little Pony. Little girl stuff. <laughs> I'm glad you said it before I did. I was going to. Hey, you know what? I, the- I assume that Deb is talking about the OG My Little yes. Pony. Not the friendship is magic, which is has a wider audience. It does. Because uh-huh. in the 80s, it was branded as a little girl's cartoon. And that's just how it was. Care Bears until, was too. Un- until a bunch of middle-aged men discovered it when they expanded the something. I, would, I, I don't consider myself a full-on brony, but I'm brony adjacent. And I'm not embarrassed by it. I, I think it's a great show, and, and I love the whole premise behind it and and it will still right, make yeah. me weep sometimes yeah it's yeah, okay. your trilby and you you trim your neck beard and you enjoy that mm-hmm. and, and it's okay andy don't be embarrassed I'm we're not. embarrassed we're embarrassed for you mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks for taking that bullet for me i don't know uh, who's I, worse bronies or furries <laughs> i'm not a friends either yeah. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah, Andy's not afraid of baby powder. <laughs> okay. Apparently, it, it's really funny. To add layers upon layers of geeky, I worked with a guy at Star Trek who was actually into anthropomorphic animal stuff. Yep. You know, like 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 the 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 drawing the cartoons and having the characters and stuff, but he didn't dress up. Furries was kind of like the LARP of that, and 
if you think about it, it makes total sense. But you can apparently, he says, you can tell when the furries are coming down the hall because the smell of baby powder precedes them by about <laughs> 10 feet. Because they don't, they, 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 they can't clean their costumes all the time. So they use baby powder to cover up the stank. <laughs> well, you can use it for breeze now, but back in the day, it had to be baby powder. Yeah. Just like the spray alcohol and baby powder you guys used at Trick, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I no longer have really expensive hobbies. Of- oh, no. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say Warhammer because that's just, you know. That's that's like, a given. Like, like so a given. We start listing that, them for you, but that's but that's <laughs> but that's just it. Uh, with Warhammer, almost all the stuff I've gotten now has been in trade for painting people's stuff, so it's no longer costing me money to do it. It's costing you so, labor. Your you're right. labor. It costs money. Todd, what socialist are you? <laughs> How about your uh, your uh, your closet upon closet of uh, high end uh, models you have to build still? Uh, most of those I got on the cheap from Amazon. Uh, oh, not from Amazon, but on eBay for people that are getting rid of them. So e- even then, that's that, that's not the super expensive. The most expensive hobby I've ever had was probably DVD collecting back in the heyday. Mm-hmm. Because that was, I would spend easily uh, 100 to 300 every week. Yeah, on DVDs when that was at I I, wow. I was at the Hard Rock and well the Hard Rock I was at it's at Heights so I had Fu money, and so I put that Fu money into DVDs. Wow, uh, I, I've since pared down that collection. I've probably down to a thousand DVDs now, a quarter of which he's watched. Uh, sounds right, but yeah, I've, I've kind of stopped doing the expensive stuff. Mine, mine is easy. For, well, okay, it depends on what era it was in my twenties. I, I actually took a long break from D&D. I didn't play it so much. I played, like, other RPGs, Vampire, uh, Rifts, uh, what's the one? Blue Planet. Blue Planet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I played a lot of those, so I didn't spend a lot of money on that. In my 20s, I was in Vegas, and I had fuck you money, so my expensive hobbies were booze, drugs, and expensive dinners. Uh, <laughs> and... Delicious, but I can't. I, I have nothing to show for those except good, good. Well, actually, no. I don't have the memories because of that. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 so, but then in you know my thirties when I when I first started making money, I think the most expensive hobby has to be Dungeons and Freaking Dragons. I discovered Dwarven Forge and the joy. Oh, of Oh, jeez, yes. Oh, that's like crack. So I before they started doing like the Kickstarters, they 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 had like these master maze sets or whatever. I bought a bunch of those. Loved them so much. Oh, we have and, like two cabinets in the garage full oh, of yeah, boxes of them. It's ridiculous. And then uh, I start and I want more, but it's so expensive now. Yeah. Uh, and I I started collect. I started doing minis, but then I realized I suck at painting. And then uh, or Deb realized that for me. Um, <laughs> And I started making terrain, and then gave it to Kirsten when I moved, and it's probably destroyed. Um, <laughs> uh, and now it's just buying all the the fifth edition books, and I'm trying to make a go of you know HoustonDungeonMaster.com, but uh, it's at this point just paying for more materials. So yeah, it's definitely D and D for me. Yeah, the Dwarven Forge is nice. It really is nice, but it is so expensive. Yeah. 
I'm gonna have to buy some more. It's like Forge so World thank- for Warhammer. Ridiculous. Oh jeez, yeah. I refuse to do Forge World. Refuse. <laughs> so if you don't uh, know what Forge World is, uh, if Warhammer is expensive, for, uh, Forge World is resin. Top shelf. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's if you, if you're at the bar, if Warhammer is on the gun and top shelf liquor is, and we're we're talking Louis for. Well, Forge what World. is Forge World? What is it like? Forge World is a offshoot of. Uh, it's owned it by uh, Games Workshop, and it is much more specialized miniatures and large miniatures. It's more their uh, their niche market stuff. So if you think, put it this way, if a box of figures costs $50 in Warhammer, if you buy it in Forge World with its own specialty sculpts, you'll probably pay about $200-$250 for, for five figures. Wow. Yikes. Why? It just... Because it's it's about exclusivity, it's about niche market, and it's about yep. collectors. So is it the same game? They're just better quality, or is it a totally different game? It, they have rules for those figures, uh, but it's still all kind of balanced out. So it's just it's a new it's it's bragging rights is what it comes down to if you're playing it professionally. Yeah, you put it on the table LBO, and they're like, oh, uh, "What? He's got a Forge World model over there." Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that kind of it. stuff. Jeff, what did what was your expensive hobby? Uh, in my twenties, it was definitely photography because before the advent of digital, everything photography related was expensive. So, like, you buy a new lens for your camera, that's immediately a two to five hundred dollar expenditure. Uh, darkroom lab equipment, uh, chemicals, etc., adds up super fast. So, if you're making prints of anything that you made. Uh, it just it, it wound up costing a lot of money, but I would say the thing I have the most amount of money sunk into now would just be collectibles in general, because just looking around my house, all the collectibles I have, you know, like start adding up. Say, okay, so that one was like twenty, that was like fifty, that was like a hundred. I have a lot more money invested in collectibles, <laughs> and that's not even the ones that I have in storage. So yeah, I probably have several. I probably have tens of thousands of dollars in collectibles. Well, you got a couple of prop pieces too, right? Yeah. yeah. Most of them are prop replicas. I don't have uh, any authentic props. I've, I, I used to try bidding on those in the past, but I always got outbid. So. I'm going to tell you right now, when Jeff decides to do a yard sale, it's going to be the best yard sale that you don't want to miss. Yeah. Andy, okay. what, what, uh, what was your expensive thing? Comics. Flat out. I collected comics weekly for decades even when i uh, when i up until i moved from boston i was getting i was getting at the whole runs of everything x-men related for a long time everything spider-man related for a long time and and that was a weekly thing that was like steady 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 it wasn't like a little obsession for for decades i was collecting comics uh, uh so much so that at some point uh, uh i ended up with like 27 boxes of comics of stuff I didn't care about and I gave to somebody to, to sell to support their comic book. They were they were selling off their comics to finance the comic they were going to publish. I'm like, take these away. But, and I still have the whole underside of my bed is full of the comics I didn't get rid of. Wow. So when you got rid of those comics, about what percentage of your comics did you get give away? Oh, probably 75%. Wow. Yeah. 
that's not insignificant. Wow. No, that's a lot. That's a lot. But I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, I would pick up stuff that was interesting. I looked interesting. I'd pick up something because the, uh, the cover was interesting. I'd pick up because it was a new kind of cover. And it's like, oh, look, it's a foil stamp, you know. I didn't get crazy, like, I didn't fall into the 90s bullshit of trying to pick up every collectible cover they'd done. But every now and then I'd see something that was a new treatment, I'd go, oh, that's interesting. Let me see what that is, you know. You know, and, I, and I'd buy just stupid stuff because the name was funny. But it just way, way, way too many. Uh, and, 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 you know, I was collecting before trade paperbacks existed, so I couldn't wait. to. If I wanted to follow the story, I had to pick up every issue. And if you missed one, you didn't get the ending of the story. Uh, and then you had Claremont, like, dropping stories in the middle of a story. Like, what did I miss? Where did this? And sometimes it was he just started the story in the middle. And sometimes you missed a miniseries. You didn't know what's connected to it. <laughs> that was mean. That was mean got, back then. It got pricey. Yeah, I'd yeah. say. I enjoyed it, but it was pricey. It was a money sink. So thank you, Kisa, for writing in. And again, happy Pride Month. Yes, and happy so, Pride. So let's continue on to get some news. Let's do some news you don't give a shit about. Yeah! <laughs> I like that. Simple to the point. Yeah. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. After an intense, days-long bidding war, a McDonald's chicken nugget shaped like a crewmate from the video game Among Us has been auctioned off for almost $100,000. What? The piece of chicken? Uh, I don't know. That sounds pretty sus. You'd think it was, but this has happened. It's officially gone through. I... <sighs> All right, take all the money from rich people away. Take it all. This is retarded. <laughs> uh, the piece of chicken fetched $99,997, so basically 100000 on eBay when the auction closed on Friday morning, following 184 bids. According to the seller, the used nugget came from a BTS combo Sorry. meal. Used? That, well... They have to, you have to claim if it's new or used, and that's they claimed used. Uh, came from a BTS combo meal, uh, BTS being the band uh, Among Us, uh, which encourages players to collaborate or deceive each other in an online murder mystery. Uh, it was a game re- released for PC and mobile devices back in 2018. Uh, it's had roughly uh, half a billion monthly active users in November 2020, making it, quote, by far the most popular game ever in terms of monthly players, according to research firm Nielsen. So, yes, it's it's a nugget, and it has, like, two little legs yeah. sprouted off the bottom. Wow. Uh, people are dumb. I found my next career. Finding <laughs> food that... Looks like other things and selling chicken, it on eBay. You're going to be a chicken nugget forger. Yes, it's not that hard. All I had to do is shape a nugget like a guy from Among Us or whatever, and then fry the thing, and then put it in with a bunch of other chicken nuggets and go, "Oh, look what I found! Give me money." Yeah, <laughs> and that that's what's very suspicious about it because McDonald's does use a specific pressing of that compressed yeah. chicken, so all their nuggets. That's why they all look have those same shapes. So yeah, it's three different uh, preset shapes, right? Right. Yes. So this is a very suspect nugget to begin with. I thought Andy was right. Well, often do you hear that? It happens. <laughs> I don't think anybody here has played the game, have they? No, no. but yeah. I've. I know it's. It took over like Twitter and 
live plays by Storm for a while. Sauces from the game. That's, that's what they use when they're saying people are being suspicious. Uh, and that's been a, a term in British usage for like a decade. Right, but, it, but it's heavily used in this game. It's, gotcha. It's, it's all, 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 the, all the Among Us memes have sus in them. Or not all of them, a lot of them. Are. That makes sense. I've, I've seen people play it, and I've been invited before, but I've generally eliminated the one thing that really aggravated me about online gaming, and that's playing with other people. So, yeah, uh, yeah don't have to, simply don't do it anymore if I don't have to. So it's nice. Minecraft you, I know Todd saw it. Did, did you see the uh, the incredible game I played of uh, Six Nimit? No, I did not. I won by one point. It was the only point left in the game. Did you cheat? No. Everybody else, everybody else crapped out, and and I thought I was gonna crap out. I just, and I was very curious what would happen if we all crapped out if everybody got negative numbers. But I don't know. Well, good. I think you. the person that has the least negative number is the one who wins if that happens. Yeah, I wonder if he could all lose. I wonder if that's possible. When Todd plays with you, everyone loses. Right. <laughs> Which is why we haven't played Battlestar Galactica in a very long time. Yeah. We'll pit with him, yeah. <laughs> was the last time you played Battlestar with me? No. I, th- I think it was, actually, Barry. No. We haven't played that game since we moved to Texas. That's incorrect. I played it a bunch with some other people here, but... Uh, yeah. Okay, no. well, I haven't played that game. Since okay, I'm, not with, I'm not familiar with the game. What's the gameplay like? How, how can Todd screw you in that one? Because there's a, there's one, someone's probably a Cylon. Oh, and, so it's a, it's a variation of Werewolf? Yeah. Okay. But it's a, you know, but it's a big involved board game. So, mm. you know. It's one that I wish they still make, and I wish they would re-release. It is a fantastic game. It gets high praise on Board Game Geek, considered one of the best games to have a betrayal element to it. I mean, it's not going to be in production forever, but as popular as that game became in board gaming circles, I'm kind of surprised they haven't re-released it yet. And I think eventually they will. What are other good games that have that betrayal element? Uh, Immediately, Uh, I think of Shadows Over Camelot. That's the first one my brain goes to. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Dead of Winter has that element as well. It's a uh, zombie board game where your group of survivors, everyone has kind of like their own secret agenda, but some of the secret agendas are betrayal agendas. Ooh. Uh, very good game. Very, very complex in its makeup while still being easy to play. There is a simple card game for Rick and Morty, Total Recall, and uh, if you have more than two players, there's a chance that one of them is uh, Parasite. I love that. That's my favorite episode of Rick and Morty ever. Yeah, it's a good episode. Yeah. There's, of course, Betrayal on the House on the Hill, but you can't choose to be the betrayer in that one, so... None of these are choosing Betrayal. Right. The, okay. the game forces it on you. I just get lucky that I end up being the betrayer about every time I play one of these games. Mm-hmm. Side note, <laughs> our cat is named from that episode of Rick and Morty. Full honorific, because he also must have a long name, is Baron Vladimir Bartimaeus Daragothith Harkonnen. A.K.A. Mr. Poop. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Things should have long, complicated names. Should, or in your case, just plain does. Yeah. 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 It's that one. If I wasn't me, I'd still have this part of it for reals. Mm -hmm. You know, Barry Will Jonathan John Wayne Duke Rob. The rest of it, Earn that. 
<laughs> the rest of it is a psychological problem. News you don't give a shit about. Jupiter's Legacy has been canceled on Netflix. But they're not quite done with that playground yet, as they are developing a live-action spin-off series based on Miller World's Super Crooks comics, which focuses on the supervillains from the same narrative universe. Miller revealed plans for adapting his and Lennel Francis Yu's Super Crooks comic into a live-action series, saying it's time to, quote, see what the supervillains are getting up to. Continuing on, he says, to do something exclusively focused on villains, they fight just feels incredibly fresh as we explore what it's like to be a bad guy in a world crawling with good guys who want to put you in jail. Uh, He went on to add, given where we're going next, we've made the tough call of letting our incredible cast out of their show commitment as we continue to thoughtfully develop all realms of the Jupiter's Legacy saga. We're confident we'll return to it later, unquote. Uh, other Miller World shows in development include adaptations of The Magic Order, American Jesus, Empress, Huck, Sharky the, Bar- uh, Sharky the Bounty Hunter, and Prodigy. Uh, the anime adaptation of Super Crooks is set to be released on Netflix later this year, but no word yet on when we expect the live-action version of Super Crooks. So they're doing two versions. So when you said the live-action version, I immediately went to Professor Biggs' reading on stage thing. That's what I thought you were going. I thought they were going to be doing some sort of stage version of supervillains. And uh, that's another mirror on how Andy's mind works. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations, Kirsten. You killed Jupiter's legacy. I hope you're happy. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Frankly, it kind of deserved it. Is Netflix turning into like the new sci-fi or Fox? (laughs) It seems. Cancel, cancel, cancel. Two seasons? Too many. Cancel. (laughs) Wait, did they cancel Altered Carbon? Yeah, Long time ago. Long time ago, Barry. They're not going to make a third? No. No. Netflix two seasons. Two seasons. Too many. Yeah, when Kirsten sent me the information that the show got canceled, my response was, uh, maybe they should have told the story of Jupiter's legacy instead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, now, of course, uh, with this, it doesn't seem like all hope is gone. It, it seems like with his quote, they're looking to flesh out that universe with this other series, and then they'll have enough background to tell the t- story of Jupiter's legacy if they ever do. Uh, who knows? I'm almost to the point of who cares at this point. They've departed so other... far from what was interesting. I don't, I don't know. Is the boys getting a third season? Oh yes. yes. Oh, yeah. It's been oh, filming. Yeah. That's, That's Amazon. Yes. Jensen Ackles is in it. I'm so excited. In fact, I think they even <laughs> picked it up for a fourth too. If I remember when they signed him for the third, they did like, a two season. Wouldn't surprise me. That's been a great success for them. Legacy could use some pointers from them. Diabolical. There's so many other good Miller World like one-shot stuff that they could make into just movies, not not series. I don't know why they don't do that. Uh, they are that all those that I listed are pretty much that kind of stuff. Do you have that list again? Because I didn't recognize any of those. You didn't even recognize American Jesus? That was Okay, a... American Jesus I did, but there's okay. some of the other ones I was like, what? Who? 
Yeah, the, some of the other ones I don't know. I'm legit looking at like some comics right now from Miller World, and you know, Wanted aside, because that that's a shit show of a movie. Superior, MPH, Nemesis. These are all good Miller World titles. I was hoping to see, and basically, he he churns these things out just so they. I think so he could just sell the movie rights. So good on him. But it feels like it. Yeah, I can see these as movies. Wanted is a good movie that is just, it's an entertaining movie that just has the wrong title. It literally feels like they tried to slap the title of the comic onto it so that it would gain a, an immediate audience rather than trying to bill it as something separate. Because if you separate it from the comic, it's actually a fun, entertaining movie. But it just is, it's, should not be connected to the comic whatsoever. Because it's not at all. Like World War Z, the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. By Another example. good movie. Right. It was not the book at all. Which is exactly <laughs> what uh, what uh, Brooks said about it. Yeah. Hollywood does that too, though. They'll have a script on the shelf. They just slap a title on it and say, you know, here we we own the rights to this property, so why don't we just slap it on a script we already have? And who cares whether it's even close to being near the source material or not? Yeah, the, the most egregious of that is the uh, On Stranger Tides. God, I'd love to actually see the book as a movie, as opposed to whatever the hell it is they tied into the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Which they just had get... a good screen rant on that, too, recently. Andy, did you see that? I didn't see that one, no. It's a, it was only, like, I think it was launched yesterday, if I remember correctly. And it's a, does it talk about the the movie, or does it talk about... No, just, but it talks the about the movie, but just how bizarre everything is, and how... None of it makes any sense. News you don't give a shit about. The classic 1960s TV series, The Munsters, is being adapted into a feature film. And Rob Zombie has confirmed that he will be directing. Oh, yeah, happy until then. <laughs> Zombie yeah. is best known for directing dark and brutally violent movies. Uh, the Munsters followed a Transylvanian American family that believes they, they are an average American family when they're actually friendly monsters. The show aired for two seasons from 1965 to 66 and featured 70 episodes. Only two seasons? I remember watching like reruns forever. Um, 70 episodes for two seasons is actually pretty long, though. That's yeah, thirty-five. That uh, that's even that's bigger than the than the twenty-six or twenty-three. But I, I felt the same way, Deb. That's like that's a two years. Yeah, I thought it was hella longer. Interesting choice, zombie. Yeah, odd choice for that show. Yeah, uh, he's into all the monster stuff, but just because he's into it doesn't mean he's going to be good. Don't get me wrong; I enjoy my. I enjoy oh, no. some House of a Thousand Corpses just for schlock, but not shock, schlock value. But it goes really downhill really fast after that and the other two movies. The fact he's into it almost guarantees it's going to be bad because I don't think he has the whimsy of the original mm -hmm. series in him. Mm -mm. And I think well, that's I mean, what most people liked was the whimsy of that show. Yeah. 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 And his two takes on Halloween were terrible as well. So, I mean,. Well, I guess terrible is a stretch. I didn't like them. I know some people did. It's so weird. I have such mixed feelings about Rob Zombie in general. I love listening to him talk about film, and he is a student of film and has a lot of film knowledge, but his actual 
directed and or written projects that he's been involved in for a lot of them with for me i'm just kind of meh i can see where he's taken inspiration from other directors and cinematographers but at the same time i'm just like eh. the overall product feels like low quality to me yeah knowledge is different than the application of it the ability right. to, to create to actually create uh, and i was never really a huge fan of his music either uh what was I going to say? Oh, right. Um, is this a movie or a TV series? Did you say movie? I, movie. Okay. So, what? What if they they took a bunch of old old TV series and made them movies? I want to see the Gilligan's Island movie done by Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> no, 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 no. Blumhouse Gilligan's Island. Michael Bay. Lots of explosions. <laughs> All it would be would be explosions. <laughs> Seven explosions on an island. Exploding. I have a little bit of hope for this movie. One of the things I think that's kept zombie the same is that he's been making the same kind of movie for a long time. He hasn't made as Andy said, a whimsical comedy that kind of monsters need. And I don't know if he can do it, but I'd like to see him try. And I do know that Zombie is a huge fan of the monsters. I mean, for God's sakes, he has a song called Dragula. Yeah. Wake me when they do Mr. Ed directed by Taika Waititi. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm in. Sign me I up. don't know. I think I'd like to see David Fincher and Mr. Ed. I mean, it's possible it'll be good. I mean, I've been wrong before. I remember thinking when they were announcing the Adams Family being made into a movie that I thought there's no way they can translate that from the TV series to the screen. But Raul Julia, man, yeah, freaking nailed it. Well, the whole cast nailed their, the, yeah. the feel of those characters. Don't forget Ricci. Yeah, that's, that's what I was getting yeah. at. But I, I, got it. I got it. I got it. Dennis <laughs> Menace, David Lynch. <laughs> That's, I was thinking that Dennis, David Lynch, uh, Mr. Ed, when you were going there, but yeah. <laughs> the thing about the Adams Family movie, which is interesting, is the what is adapting is is not stories. It's adapting single panel cartoons. The, the TV show did. I and love actually, to see John. And some of those single panel cartoons actually end up in the actual movie. I mean, they pouring the uh, oil off the top of the the house. Is, is straight out of one of the, the single-panel cartoons. But I think, so the first movie was, what, the late 90s? Early 90s? For Adam's late Family. Uh, early 90s. So. so I feel like it was easier, though, to also take that show and put it into a movie because people still liked that kind of cheesy comedy, that style of comedy, right? So those films, and they were done well, and, and they cast them well. The Monsters is a super cheesy yet like family show. That's the piece that I'm just not connecting with Rob Zombie. Like, how yeah. how is how is that gonna? Because that's what a lot of people liked about the show. How is that gonna go? I think I've made this point back to the. Sorry, I gotta go back to the Adams Family because I had one more. The uh, I think I made this point before, but the uh, they recast Gomez Adams from the TV show with Raul Julia. And uh, Raul Julia is now dead. But yeah. Sean Astin is still kicking. 
So Adam's family was 91. Adam's family value was 93. So very early 90s. My concern with Zombie, I do, I think he's going to be fine with tone. I think he's going to be fine with the look. I don't think it's going to be fine with the story. Most of his movies, the stories are crap. That is true. And I'm hoping that he is directing a script not written by him. I don't think so, because he even had a big hand in writing the Halloween movies. Yes. Uh, so if he can keep his fingers off the off the keyboard, that would be wonderful. Because I, I, I think he can translate somebody else's wor- words into that tone, keeping it dark but keeping it funny. There's elements of that in some of the early Rob Zombie videos. Not so much the white zombie stuff, but the Rob Zombie videos themselves. There is a comedy camp to it. I think he can do it, but I don't think he can write a story and a script. Uh, At least he has demonstrated that he can. So that's where I think this falls off. Mm. Okay, so let's get you can't do that on television. Like, (laughs) we bowl. No. (laughs) No. He just punches kids. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> and uh, last news you don't give a shit about, I have Yay! been sitting on. I have been sitting on for three weeks Your because ass. I needed Matt to be here for this story. So, so I appreciate you joining us, Matt. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm holding this dog away because Paula's doing something behind me and she's getting in her face. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Last March, Games Workshop announced that it had hired uh, Sayama Pedersen to make Astartes 2. That's the sequel to Pedersen's wildly successful YouTube fan animation that had gathered millions of views over several years. Uh, but Pedersen wasn't alone. Games Workshop also announced the Exodite from Lost Legion Studios, Primaris, The Last Templar from Paxel Art, Iron Within from Codex Film, and more coming. Turns out that the company has 11 new animations in the works. Not only that, Games Workshop will start streaming those animations on its own streaming service uh. starting in July. Motherfucker! <laughs> God! I wish you could have seen the, the, the look on Matt's face audience because he went from having a slight to a bigger smile to an immediate scowl as soon as Todd said streaming service. It was priceless. What are they going to fill time with on that service? Warhammer Plus is the streaming app that will be available for smart TVs, iOS, and Android. Uh, We don't have any specifics on what the subscription fees will be, but Games Workshop promises more details are coming on June 23rd. (laughs) So watch this space. I order exterminates on that streaming service. Holy shit. It's $8 a month, but you have to call it yourself. Uh, I assume it's going to be this stuff, painting tutorials. Live play. Yep. It's going to be all that kind of stuff. And where you they'll have... Twitch. You can do that on Twitch. Like, But that's what? just it. I think they're going to pull off of Twitch and make it a streaming service thing. I think they'll make some of the big announcements on Twitch for like reveals during big cons and whatnot. I think anything else having to do with that is going on the streaming service. 
Fuck that company. <laughs> you say that now, then you want to go out and buy their shit. No, I won't buy that. I'm not. I'm not going to buy the streaming service. Fuck that. What if it's only two dollars a month? <laughs> oh, he's wrestling with it. What? What's your, what's your tap out price there, Matt? Is it five dollars a month? Six dollars a month? What's the for number? Some, for something like that, probably five. Okay. How much in American money? <laughs> five ninety nine Canadian. So <laughs> anything less than that. <laughs> Weekend Geek! Yay! Woohoo! Hey. Director John Woo is set to produce a live-action adaptation of Stan Lee's Monkey Master, which is an unreleased comic book series with a story created by Lee and Graphic India co-founder and CEO Sharad D. Devarajan. The story will follow New York City archaeologist Lee Yong, quote, who discovers an ancient prophecy about the Chinese legend of the Monkey King that brings him to India, where he uncovers a hidden power that transforms him into a modern-day superhero, the Monkey Master. Wu shared in a statement, continuing, I have always wanted to make a film based on the Monkey King story of China, but have struggled with a new way to present it. The story by Stan Lee was such a unique version that it incorporated the mythological characters, unexplored journey to India, and had all the elements I enjoy in filmmaking. Great characters, action, and adventure. I'm excited to work with Sherrod and Gil to bring Stan's vision for this new superhero character to the screen. Uh, Wu and Devarajan will serve as producers for the adaptation. What? Story by Stanley. Is this based on something he wrote on cocktail napkins? Is this something he was developing before he died? I mean, all I ever... know is it, it is an unreleased comic book series. I don't know how far along it went. I I don't know if it's just scripts. I don't know if it's just idea. I don't know if they did uh, pre plates. Mm. Stanley is. I mean, you know, it's Stan. You give credit where credit's due, but. In later years, he did some. He's made some questionable creative choices. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and the TV show. Remember that the one where like ordinary people can become superheroes. What was that called? Wait, no, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I tried watching it, and uh, I hated every minute of it. And I want my time back. So. Uh, I I will watch. I will try it because it says Stanley. But I hope I hope I'm not disappointed. Well, what cranks it up for me is that it's John Woo. Right. I would love to see a John Woo action superhero film, no matter what the subject. And the fact that it's the Monkey King story, uh, I'm I'm there. I'm 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 curious to see what he does with that. Ooh, there's another director old show pairing: John Woo, Sesame Street. No, the Sesame Street the IPA IP is all tied up in the horror movies we're working on. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, sorry, can't can't touch any Henson stuff. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how no, about want, this? You want uh, John, John Woo's Kung Fu? No, no, I want John Woo's Brady Bunch. Ooh. <laughs> yes, yes, there it is. <laughs> Welcome back to my Brady Bunch podcast, everybody. I'm glad you could join us. Come at me, Tiger. <laughs> Uh, we did lose uh, somebody this week. We lost actor Paul Souls. He's died at the age of 90. Uh, Souls provided character parts for a string of animated 1960s television projects, but most notably for Marvel fans, 
He was the voice of Peter Parker in the original 1967 to 1970 animated Spider-Man series. Oh, wow. Uh, for you non-Marvel fans, he also voiced Hermie the Elf in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Rankin-Bass animated... Yeah, the stop-motion uh, Christmas TV yeah. special from 64. Uh, Soul's 1960s TV work also featured him as the voice of Bruce Banner slash the Hulk, uh, Rick Jones, and uh, supervillain Atuma in the syndicated 1967 animated series The Marvel Superheroes. But his role in the original Spider-Man series was a seminal moment in Marvel history. It's the first time that the Stan Lee and Steve Ditko created character had ever come to life on the screen. So, Paul Souls, we honor you. Amelia Clark is making her comic book debut this summer. Image Comics will be releasing Clark's upcoming comic book series, Mom, or M-O-M, Mother of Madness, which turns a mother into a literal superhero. The series will be co-written by Marjorie Bennett, who did Josie and the Pussycats, with art by Leela Leitz, who did art for The Horde. Uh, talking to Entertainment Weekly about the series, Clark said, quote, We're always calling mothers superheroes. And I'm like, what if they were? What if they legitimately were superheroes? Maya has a, had a hard life, and she finds herself at a place where everything that makes her unique she hates and is ashamed about. It's only in the discovery of her powers she finds her true acceptance of who she is. Uh, M.O.M. or Mom Number 1 will be available on July 21st. There's the supervillains so, um, in there. The dads? <laughs> Deadbeat dads. Yeah. The DBDs. Yeah, the DBDs are definitely the... Which the publisher X's. is that again? Yeah, Image Comics, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, uh, getting into the comic book world. I mean, cool. it's not like there haven't been moms and superheroes in the comics before. I mean, there's Sue Storm. There's sure. whatever her name is in the professional. But they weren't superheroes because they were moms. They were moms who were superheroes. Gotcha. That's an important distinction. <laughs> <laughs> Good uh, commentary on the undertone, uh, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings uh, me back. Why are we still using uh, Rotten Tomatoes as the guideline for anything? God damn it. <laughs> F you all. <laughs> Marvel has announced a Marvel multiverse tabletop role playing game set to launch spring of next year. The new game will employ the all-new D616 gaming system. Uh, players will be able to take on the role of their favorite hero, create a brand new one, face off against supervillains. The official playtest rulebook will arrive in spring of 2022. We'll introduce players to the brand new D616 system. They claim that they will be easy to follow and learn for tabletop newbies, but offer a natural evolution for those who are already familiar with mechanics of popular role-playing games. Uh, Marvel Multiverse role-playing game was written and co-designed by award-winning author Matt Forbeck. Uh, Forbeck is known for his Dungeons & Dragons Endless Quest series, as well as his contributing work on the Marvel Encyclopedia. Uh, Any details on the system for 616? No. Uh, they, they're keeping that under wraps until the unveiling later on. So, new system. Uh, I, I am somewhat reminded of when TSR got into the Marvel role-playing in the 80s. Oh, they did, didn't they? I never yeah. played this. It was kind of awful, its system. They had what was called a shift system, where they didn't have numbers for your stats. Your strength was either 
poor, average, good, excellent, super. They used words instead of it. And then you had to look at this chart to see how it fared up against this word versus this word. It wasn't well done at all. Why create a new why create a new system? Why not just use an established system that players already know how to play and enjoy playing? Because you well, can't. You, you can't own a system that's already established. They want to make money off of this as so a proprietary thing. You modify it slightly so that it's closer to it and with slight modification. I mean, it's, it's not... I, IP theft, folks, brought to you by <laughs> death. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, I mean, I've played a couple of other role-playing tabletop games, and they have all been similar to the base rules, the mechanics of Dungeons & Dragons. I've had this discussion ad nauseum with people, and once with Major Madly, too. It's like this. Star Wars uh, released a version of the Star Wars role-playing game uh, under West End Games, and it was a D6 thing where you have to get like a number of successes or whatever. And um, I think that's a D6 system. I don't know what they fucking call it. But it was, it was an interesting system, and it lent itself, and the rules and the skills that you have lent itself well to more than just combat. There was stuff like... Uh, you know, one of your, your most important skills was negotiation or even like capital ship piloting and things like oddball things like that. And then when they went to D20, which is, you know, basically like 5e before 5e um, and it's on the open gaming license. So you, you could you, you could apply it to Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar, fucking anything you want. It doesn't matter which is what you're talking about, like taking that same system and using it for different settings. I hated it because, to me, the Star Wars story is told with more than just combat. All the char- all your character progression was just focused solely around beating the hell out of people. And I think it took a bit of the flavor that I liked out. So there's these other systems out there, like Blue Planet, the one I like, like Rifts, like uh, like uh, White Wolf's vampire system, the World of Darkness system, based on different pips and whatnot, I, it, it lends itself just a little bit better to that specific game type, genre, whatever, you know? Um, I'm trying to remember what the uh, the champion system was like. Oh, shit, I don't know. Um, D6s. The D6s? The, the, a lot of it was in its point-based uh, character building, but you rolled... Three D sixes, so it was sort of like Dungeons and Dragons in terms of a roll versus, but it was three D sixes against uh, the average number of eleven, and then everything built around that. White Wolf's, I think, is D tens, where you have right. like one to five pips in a in in a skill or in like a like strength or intelligence or whatever the hell it is, and uh, you roll a bunch of D tens depending. And you see how many successes you get that way. It's it's just math stuff at that point. Um, yeah. yeah. One of the things I liked about White Wolf that actually was a little bit revolutionary was that they didn't wed skills to abilities. You actually, uh, to use D&D terms, you could do a dex check plus acrobatics if you're like trying something but if you're trying to maybe identify where an acrobat is from or what system they're using you could do intelligence plus acrobatics 
um, to try to figure things out. It was more modular and you could put things together. And uh, White Wolf, uh, well, the base system anyway, was not super combat heavy. Yeah. You, you literally had your melee brawl and like firearms or something and that was that. But, well, the three um, big stats were social, mental, physical, and a lot of that, a lot of the White Wolf stuff is all social and mental. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, bulk of it. And it, it's, it, was, it was interesting. I think one of the things that made White Wolf interesting to people was that it really had thorough and I think functional rules for social stuff. Whereas a lot of games, it's it's very cursory, it's very light, it you know roll, eh, mm, uh, you know whatever. But White Wolf really really developed it, and I think that 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 kind of goes to your point, Barry. That if you're going to make a new system, uh, Deb, you you should design it to suit what you're doing in the game. The story and and um. I think that Marvel 616, whatever it is, if it's going to kind of, well, have its combat and have its soap opera angst, <laughs> or whatever the hell they're going to do, you know, as opposed to just creating a different system to be different, which yeah. a lot of people, some people do, because they just want to make their own system, and that's a total fakakta mess, so... Yeah, six. It's also just hilarious because six one six is the Marvel universe, and you almost wonder: were the game developers told you got to design it around this, <laughs> or were the game developers come up with something and like, oh, and we could call it six one six? I got a feeling it's the former. <laughs> You'd hope it's the latter, though. Yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting. One of the things about superhero games is creating something where you can balance your your Batman types versus your Superman types, which when in character creation can be a, a, a fracking nightmare. <laughs> Who's ever I mean, played Palladium? It's been I ages. I have years ago. Yeah. Well, su- superheroes and heroes and villains or whatever the hell the thing was there. No, used no, the Palladium play that system, one. Which is Rifts. And I thought it was neat. It, it, it kind of reminded me of a uh, like if City of Heroes was a was a uh, was a, it was a role playing game. They have a number. There's villains and vigilantes, which was kind of almost like a I think a Champions Light, and then um, oh I'm blanking on the uh, the developer's name. Somebody came up with Icons, which was actually I think a nice game several years ago that actually had an interesting system to it. So everyone's trying superheroes, but nobody seems to nail it with anything that lasts. Although what's really interesting, Todd, is your comment about the ship system. I hear a lot of a lot of RPG blogger types, they actually like it. Uh, it's really? called the phase rip. F-A-S-E-R-I-P. And they actually like the phase rip system, which is really funny because when I try to figure out how it works exactly, because I've never played it, I I look at it like you described it, and it's just like I'm I, what? I don't know. Sorry, I like a system that strips everything down to bare bones. Case in point, 
Professor Biggs had me play test this thing that his friend of his was was developing. It's like a 80s horror type of role playing game thing. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll try it once. Um, the, the 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 biggest inherent problem that I, and I I, I explained this obviously because uh, was this is a very early early super early alpha of it um, was that there were too many rules there were too many different charts and things going on it's so hard to, to keep track of everything you just got to focus on one main thing is that combat fine is it a mystery solving fine whatever it is whatever your your, your catches, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the zinger is for the for that for that settings. Focus on that, and everything else should be very lightweight rules wise. I don't know what that is. I I can't compare that to D and D. D and D is its own monolith of a game. Um, but with I guess to compare it to White Wolf, it would be social interaction. Social interaction, political intrigue is their thing, and everything else just supports it smoothly. They should license the, the Dread system. The what? The Dread system. I don't know what that is. Yeah, the Dread system, the only... <laughs> there's no dice. Instead, all choices are decided by a Jenga tower. What? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's how we're playing our next game of D&D. What's your Jenga tower? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. Oh, my God. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Shocked that we're done K. See, what are the things about now? Uh, Pack check candy. <laughs> Maple Leaf Matt. Barry William, Jonathan, John Wayne, Duke Rob, Lord of Sealand, Laird of Glencoe, Dr. Vlarg of Geek Shock, the first of his name. Mr. Deb. Oh. <laughs> AKA Mr. Deb. Yes. And Deb. And Deb. thank you for joining us, everybody. And thank you, uh, Deb and Mr. Deb for joining us as well. I hate your life. <laughs> I love that they ran with this, Mr. Deb. I love it. Dyspeptic hate monger. Mary was driving while we were listening to the podcast. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> she actually ran it back and played it again. So we could hear it again. As well, she should have. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn ringtone. Barry, what should the next pinball table be? The next the pinball tournament? table should be Medieval Madness. Okay. There it is. The next tournament will be Medieval Madness. Isn't that like a really, like one of the originals for... It's a Williams table. Right. A good one. A great one. Right. Well, I know. I played all the that... time when we go to actual the pinball museum. Yeah. He, yeah. And, he and Todd used to play it a lot. And the... you kicked my butt. Yeah, but this is online. It's different. Honestly, guys, it's personal. I, I, played it, I played it a bit on, on Pinball Effects, and I'm a lot better at it in Pinball Effects than I am in real life. <laughs> really? Scary good at it. I don't know. Maybe it's okay, there it is. That this is uh, this is your time to shine. All right. I'll be I'll be I'll be very interested in hearing about your fourth place run. With the ringer that you if that you, you beat uh, me, you into. can get a free email at. Vanilla sluts love chocolate dick.com. <laughs> Don't pass up that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, Songy's gonna ever offer that again. And a VIP pass to Vlorgcon. What what do you get with the VIP pass versus everything else? I can't I'm sorry. That's a secret only known to VIP pass holders, and you are specifically banned from Vlorgcon. Oh shoot. Yes. I will have two hulking security guards. Toss your ass out into the street. Even. I think 
I, I think I'll, Todd needs to be there. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing. Yeah. I'll have to wear a disguise to slip past the guards. There you go. I'll have to pull from the Jenga tower to see if I'm successful. <laughs> <laughs> Geek, since there's so many of us, uh, choose one or two. I don't do anything, so. Yeah, but we still have to give you the offer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to die, kindly mute yourself until you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then right. unmute. I got new buttons to fuck with here, and I'm messing them up. I can't stop recording. <laughs> Why do you hit the buttons? You're like, hey, mm-hmm. hold on, Andy. This man here to the left of my screen has no ground to stand on. It took him a year to run two uh, DM uh, DM sessions just to get out of the damn unicorn camp or wherever the hell you guys were at. Only because I wasn't there to run the game. So shut up. You say a year like like we're playing a lot. I only played two sessions that year. Not only that, Matt, but the guy to the left of your screen on my screen is Jeff. <laughs> and yeah, on my Kirsten. screen, it's Kirsten. Yeah, my wow. Kirsten, too. Uh, <laughs> top left. So would this fall into the don't talk about the video aspect?